0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the USMLE Guys podcast. My name's Dr. Paul. In today's episode, we're doing another USMLE Coaches Corner episode. This is something we previously recorded from our YouTube channel and I wanted to share with you here today. We will be talking about one of the common problems that our one-on-one coaching students are experiencing, sharing with you what's going on and how to fix it so that you can move forward with your own USMLE preparation without any worries. And if you wanna work with us one-on-one or you wanna learn more about how we can help you prep for your USMLE exams, don't forget to visit our website, usmleguys.com. All right, let's dive in with today's episode. All right, so common mistake number one is reading from top to bottom. So why uh, last week, we talked about what well, we went into doing questions, and you corrected me right off the bat when I started reading from top to bottom. What's the reason for reading the last couple lines as opposed to just starting from the top? What are the benefits as a whole, and, and why should it be done that way? Well, I mean,
1: if you're just studying and you're practicing in tutor mode, you might think, well, I'll just read top to bottom. And that's great to a point, but then if you read line by line, you start formulating an idea, a condition, a drug, an MOA. And then halfway through, you realize, oh, they just gave me the condition, they gave me the the drug, and then your mindset's off completely. So now you panic, and you got to go back and reread it because your thought was going left, but they should have gone right. Whereas if you take your time, I mean, the last two or three sentences, it allows you to figure out what the question's asking of you, what you need, and how to really gauge your thought process. Do they want a condition? Do they want an MOA? You might realize, wow, they told me they're going to give them Jennifer Brazil, and they're asking for the MOA. So reading the whole scenario really doesn't do anything for you. You might feel comfortable to read it, but if you don't know the drug and you don't know the MOA, I'm sorry to say you won't get the right answer. So you're wasting time reading the scenario and then coming out to the same conclusion. You have no idea what the drug does. So then when you tell me or the doctors tell us or students, I'm running out of time, that's because, well, there's many conditions, many reasons why. But if you implement this this technique, you'll save time when you can. And then that time could be spent doing other questions like biostats or a couple of topics you might not like to tackle. So you need to have a mindset this way, or else you'd read the questions once, twice, thrice. You won't finish the block. It's impossible.
0: Yeah. And, and last week when we did those questions, there were a couple that I read the last line, maybe one or two, but that was just out of five. So if we multiply that by, you 20. know, what would it be uh, like by 50, then that could be 50 questions that you don't have to on exam day that you don't have to read the whole vignette, And that saves you time. And that gives you more time to focus on those more challenging questions to win-win.
1: Yeah. And, and something to, to, to take into consideration the, the doctors watching this now or later in recording and everything, this takes time to master because we when yeah. doctors jump on board and work with us, many of them don't implement this. It's not easy. You can't just flip a switch with this because you're used to doing it one way, which is fine. We have some doctors go top to bottom. They do well. But maybe they're fast readers. Maybe they've been practicing for a long time. Maybe they're able to kind of extract information much faster. But we typically see if you implement this technique, you not only know what you're asking, what they're asking of you, but you save
0: time when you need to. And it's a game changer for many. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number two, do they don't highlight. Why is highlighting such an important part of efficient USMLA question answering? Well, let
1: me, let me start by saying the reason why some don't highlight, they feel like they're wasting time. And, yes. and, I, I, and I tell them, I said, well, yeah, I think you're wasting time if you don't highlight because you read fast and then you don't know what information's pertinent and then you go read it a second time. So if you're reading anyway, why don't you take the mouse and just follow the according, according, word for word and highlight what you think is important? Because let's say you read the question, you don't have an answer, right? We tell our students flag and move sometimes. If you come back a second pass and you haven't highlighted anything, what do you typically do? read a second time, right? And you just burn more time. So if you don't highlight, you won't be able to look at what's important. Is it lab values? Is it a certain symptom? Is it a certain, you know, inclusions or gram stain? And by looking at the highlights, you can go back and say, well, I see one, two, three, four findings. I connect it. Boom. There's the answer. I mean, it's really that simple. If you don't highlight, you make your life more challenging doing these questions. I don't know why people don't do it, but we know why because they don't want to waste time then they waste time reading a second time and a third time so it's just it's really allowing you to go back and look at what is pertinent and what is not so practice it yeah. from now it does take time it's not easy like anything else these are test taking strategies and skills it's a
0: skill it yeah i look money. at it yeah i look at it as as an investment where you have to put more energy into something early on but then it pays off exponentially later on right mm-hmm. it's it's like investing your money you put money into um let's say um, an investment you work hard to earn that money and it's not growing very fast but then eventually it goes you know parabolic and all of a sudden you start making outsized returns on your investment and it's the same thing here like you said you want to do this so that you can come back and quickly look and if you save 5 seconds every single question then over the course of the day you've saved dozens of minutes and that's really where the benefit comes from
1: all right the Go, yeah, go ahead. One more, just to add to this, if you feel that it's not necessary now, everyone, wait till you get to step two CK and step three, where the information is that that much longer and and more um, involved and more details. And if you're reading two three paragraphs worth without highlighting, good luck. You know you won't be able to pick it up. You got to go back and highlight. It's going to help you in the long run, like you said, in investment.
0: All right, the third mistake is reading the, cre- the question twice. And so this actually sort of just piggybacks on the last one, which was highlighting. Yeah. So let's talk about reading the question twice. In my mind, there's some cardinal sins when, taking your, when prepping for step one and not practicing to the point where you don't have to read the question twice sure. is one of those just cardinal sins, meaning there is absolutely no benefit to doing it. It's all just downside in chess. We would call that a blunder. You're giving the opponent a material advantage and you're giving the test writers a huge advantage when you do this. So let's talk about why do we not read the question twice?
1: Well, I mean, if you're in tutor mode, uh, that's one thing you can, because a lot of doctors out there, maybe English is in the, is in the first language, second language. So we understand that respectfully. And it does take time to acclimate to understand the terminologies and the verbiage and the way it's created and structured. But, you know, if you keep practicing, eventually you need to get it to one pass, not twice. But many doctors feel that i read it twice to really understand what's going on. Guys, how how can you do that? The the exam is timed, right? So if you practice from the beginning and you have a, you know, a better approach, it's going to help you in the long run. But if you get comfortable and acclimated to reading everything twice and thrice, You'll never transition into reading it once. You're always going to have issues with doing a timed block. And typically, people don't do questions that way. They go, I'm too nervous. I'm too scared. I don't want to do. I can't finish a block of 20 times, nor 40 times, because I'm reading it twice. So I know it's difficult. Take your time now. Put it in tutor mode. Read every line slowly, if you can. Highlight, like we talked about with the previous mistake, by taking time to highlight it's more torturous and more, more involved and more of an investment, but you will see an improvement eventually. And you're like, wow, now I don't have to read it twice. I read it once slowly, but then you get better and better about, you know, improving your speed to a point of reading it faster, extracting the information and not having to read it twice. If you're reading it twice, stop and just go back to the basics. It's going to help you in the long run.
0: Yeah. and, And this is sort of just the same as not highlighting it's, students say well i have to read it fast mm. but you always you always forget that when you read too fast you're not going to take it all in and reading the question twice is just going to take more time so if you read it let's even say 75% of the way towards your max speed mm-hmm. but then you do it twice let's call that 150% if you then just would slow it down and read it at let's say a slow enough pace so that you can pull everything you need out and you call that a hundred percent, you've saved 50%, right? So it's, it's this whole idea of slowing down to invest in getting the information so that you can make a educated guess. And everyone is just overlooking this whole, whole point of, you know, I got to do more and more. It's the same thing when you're studying, got to do more questions, more questions. I don't have time to review. Yeah, but. You're, you're, you're focusing on something that is not going to yield results so that you feel like you've accomplished something. Reading the question fast, you feel like, oh, I'm getting through this quickly. Yeah, but you have to go back and do it again. So are you, you really have to, you know, separate the inefficiencies and the uh, time wasters with things that actually work. And oftentimes that is just slowing down and doing things the right way. And you'll save a lot of time that way, 100%.
1: I tell you, I mean, the majority of students that we have with these kind of <coughs> issues and conditions that they're working with, we all stop them. We, we put them back into tutor mode. No time. Read it once. Take five. Take three minutes if you need to. But practice this way, sure. and you will see the results results much faster. If you don't do it this way, you're gonna you're gonna get caught later when you can't finish a block in in one hour. Simple as that. A block
0: of forty, especially. In an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The next one we have here is reading fast and missing info. I kind of think we kind of touched on that on this one. So yeah, it's it's all so closely intertwined, Uh, but let's go to the next one. So the next line is after reading the last line, they immediately read the answer choices and then read the rest of this stem. So they read the last line, look at the answer choices, then go up. Let's talk about why this is not the best strategy to use.
1: Well, I mean, let's say you read the last line, the last two lines, and they're asking you a diagnosis. That's all, And that's all they're asking you. How, by reading the five, six, seven, eight conditions, organisms, viruses, how will you be able to come up with an answer? Now, I know students might say, well, it gives me an idea of what to look for. Okay. When you read the scenario from top to bottom, I can guarantee there'll be many symptoms and many little findings within the scenario that will lead you to at least two three of those conditions, right? So, Everybody we have some sort of a biased opinion, You're like, well, I saw fever, I saw weight loss, I saw this, I saw this, it could be B, oh, it could be C. And if you, beca- if you pay attention to doing questions, you'll realize sometimes they position the answers in a certain way that leads you down the wrong path. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, B looks like the answer, but the answer was actually E. So that's why typically everyone, if you're doing it this way, it's working for you, then obviously something is working for you, but typically it doesn't. So why not read the last two, three lines or the last line? Have an idea of what they're looking for, and go straight to the top. And then once you read the whole scenario, then you say, okay, can I come up with a condition? Can I formulate a differential? I think students do that because they feel more comfortable. They go, well, I now I know what I'm looking for. What do you mean? You know, you, you, obviously, if you read the scenario, you should be able to extract the print information to come up with a for, with a differential, right? So if you know that they're giving you different hep a, b, c, d, e, how is that going to help you? It's not. And that's why you have to be very, very careful and cautious. Read the last two, three lines, skip the answer choices, go straight to the top, work on your connection. If you can't connect, you have to work on connecting the findings. If you can't formulate an answer, you can't just guess, right? You stop and you learn from every question to figure out why can I why can I not formulate a differential. Then you'll yeah. be able to increase your score.
0: Sounds good. Next mistake not eliminating the incorrect. Whoa. answers so obviously if you if you read the last couple of lines you read the vignette and you formulated correctly you should have a really good idea of what sure. the answer you're looking for is but this this is when you like we did last week i came to a couple of questions where i didn't know and so at that point we use our overall knowledge to um, eliminate things we know are not the right answer so how often do you think this comes into play when you're, doing, when you're working with students? And I know we, we haven't talked about this, so this is tough to, to, to really answer, but how many times when students go through this elimination process would you say it leads them to the correct answer versus if they just guessed as a whole?
1: I mean, I've seen great results. Well, and the reason, well I see, I've seen great results because if you have an answer in mind, And we say, all right, you know, you you click it and you go, right? Because you clearly know it's histoplasmosis, or like like last week, right? Okay, great. But if you have an idea that it could be A or B or B or C, well, by eliminating the answer choices, you increase your chances of getting the right answer because you could clearly see it's not the other ones. Then what if you make a decision to say, you know what, I can't answer it now. I will flag it and move on. When you come back for a second pass, everyone, and you're doing a block of 20, 30, 40, I'm sorry, but you might not remember what the question was asking you. You might not remember the answer choices, and you're like, oh, I got to go back and look at them again. And that mm-hmm. comes into lose-wasting time. So as you're looking at one by one, knock out which ones you know they're wrong, and then that gives you a fighting chance of getting down to 50% and then choose the right answer because it just makes more sense this way. When you look at a second pass, there's two available. You go with your gut. And you move on. And also, test your knowledge of do you know what the answers are asking you, like the other ones? Do you know what mm-hmm. HEP A presents with? HEP B? HEP C? If you don't, you should, because that's going to help you with future questions. So, take our advice. You knock out the answer choices. Now, unless you 100% and you could bet your residency on it, that's what I tell students. If you could bet your residency on the answer, you click and go. But if you have that little slight chance of, I'm not sure. Read the scenario, knock out every answer choice, give yourself a fighting chance because every question is different difficulty levels. It could be easy, it could be difficult. You just never, you'll never know.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Last one we have here is changing answers too often. Uh, I, I know that studies have shown that it almost never is a good thing when you make it a habit of changing the answer you think to something that you think might be better. Almost never is, as, as a whole, for the exam, the better approach. Let's talk about some experience you've had with this when doing practice questions. And let's just scare everybody into realizing this is not a good idea. I mean, I'll give you
1: a personal experience, my, my own experience studying for step. You know, I would do a block of 40, and I, and I would probably flag 15 to 17, even 20. And then, you know, you, you get the percentages right to wrong, wrong to right, wrong to wrong. Mm-hmm. And I literally would have, like, 10, 15 questions right to wrong. Because I would overthink, wow. I'd second guess, I would go with my gut, my stomach, my feeling, and then go back and look at it and say, no, it can't be. Because if I'm telling you, if you give yourself enough time, you can convince yourself of any answer could be right. Sure. Which makes sense sure. because yeah. you're using our drills, you're using our first aid, you're using you know, our quizzes, you're doing zanky, anky, anything that you're slamming information on a daily basis, I'm sorry to say, when you look at all these organisms, they all look good. So unless you have a clear cut and you anchor the information wisely to know that this is this finding, this goes to this, this disease condition organism, when they throw everything at you and everything looks good, you're going to convince yourself into the wrong answer sometimes. So that's why we tell our students either leave it empty, come back for a second pass, because if you leave it and you select an answer, because you don't want to waste time, got, you know, let's say you run out of time and it, it locks you out, when you go back for a second pass, what do you do? Do you take the choice that you selected or do you second guess? And it's tough. So that's why you yeah, want to practice on the right way. Nice format, nice formula, nice technique to go with your gut. Be confident in your answer choice. Because I'm yeah. telling you now, guys, like, you know, doc, if you choose an answer, typically that's the right answer. But then you're like, oh, yeah. I chose, I, I, I second guessed it or I changed the right to wrong. If it's happening to you, break this habit now and you have a fighting chance to do very well. There's a reason why you chose B, right? It's Just like when the last week you chose the hepatitis uh, RNA, you're like, "Well, I don't know, but that looks like the right answer." So you hit, it and you got it right because you had a feeling that was right. But if you second guess, you take too much time to think. It's it could be uh, it could be difficult. Uh, it, it, it's torturous to see because then you just yeah. get the wrong answer all the time.
0: Yeah, I think that's. Um, I, I mean, that's a very good argument for at least being aware of this so that you don't fall sure. into this habit. Um, let's, let's switch gears a little bit, talk about, we have three techniques to actually improve our efficiency and our scores. And we were just talking about flagging. You mentioned you flagged, came back always, you know, switching from right to wrong. Let's talk about when it's a good idea to use the flagging feature. And obviously we just talked about when the, way, the way not to flag, like don't flag, come back and switch, but when should we flag? I mean, the way I look at it is, and and as we work with students day, day in and day out,
1: we come up, you know, we modify, we add to our techniques because, you know, questions always change too. There's two really reason, main reasons why I would flag. One, I narrow it down to two, and I just can't come up with an answer. I just can't. That's all. So that's fair. I mean, I'm not. It's not mandatory to answer the question right now. You have an hour to answer the 40. So I had a cardio question before, and now I have a biostatistical question. You're like, biostats. I'm not good at it for some reason, right? So either you lag it, come back at the end, and approach it a second time. Or I also tell our students sometimes, if you're in the zone and you're studying and you're doing well and you're answering your questions and you're feeling great, you come up with a question like biostats, epidemiology, biochemistry, something that really just knocked you out, you can flag it not even look at the question come back to the second pass because honestly it's a it, it's going to chew up your time yeah. you're going to read the scenario once twice maybe not come up with an answer get frustrated get really pissed at the situation move on to the next question and then you carry on that anger to the next question to the next one to the next question so we've seen this with our studies with our students Typically, if you just can't approach the question, let's say it's biostats, for example, epidemiology, you see it start off with the investigator or rats and bats, or whatever they bring up, mark it, leave it to the end. At least you finish the block of 40, you feel good, you stay in your zone, your testing zone, your testing, you know, feel, and then you attack the ones that you flagged. If you do that, you will improve your score. We can guarantee that. It just takes time to work on this technique. You can't just adapt overnight. It does take time. So start from now, you
0: will see the results. A quick question before we go to the next one. If you come down to two answer choices and you're not hundred percent sure, and we don't want to sit and waste too much time, we don't pick one or the other flag and move. We just leave it blank flag it and move. What, is there a difference in the result have you found? I'll tell you this from the
1: doctors that we worked with we typically see better results when they leave it empty. And I know what people are saying now, watching the video. They're saying, hold on. What if I leave it empty and I get to the 40th question and next thing you know, I can't go back and attack the mm-hmm. other ones and I lose them? 100%. Listen, I'm with you with that. That's valid. That's that, That's a valid argument. It's like, well, I don't want to lose my points. That's why I tell our students, you practice this technique. It wasn't easy for me to do it as a student. I practice and I practice to say, okay. I have four flagged. I need to go back and get them. Here's what happens. Follow me with this. You flag a question and you choose B as the answer. You come back at the end of the 40. You're tired, exhausted. Now, why did you choose B? Was B a solid guess? Or you just filled it up because you wanted to fill an answer in? Now you're like, well, I don't know what it is. Well, is it B? Isn't it B? Could it be B? Could it be C? Could it be E? You're wasting time arguing with yourself. You're second guessing yourself. You're, You're knocking yourself down with your confidence and you're actually battling to figure out, well, should I leave it as B, or should I put it as E? So I know everyone has different techniques, but from all the doctors that we worked with, when you practice this way, leave it empty, come back for a second pass, and you're like, okay, I'm down to two. I've knocked out the answer choices, I've highlighted everything, it's either I go with my gut, or I have to guess. Now, typically we don't want more than three or four flags per block, that's fair to say. But if you have two or three flags, Guys, I'm sorry to tell you, but you know, at that point, you know, how can you convince yourself otherwise? It's either it's going to be B or E, you go with your gut, or you choose whatever letters available, and you move. Because to waste more time uh, talking yourself into it, you could talk yourself into anything because you've seen yeah. it so much. It, it's, just, it's not worth it.
0: Not worth it. Yeah. And questions are also designed to allow you to talk yourself into anything. Oh, oh, well, yeah. So, you know, there's that there's that as well, right?
1: I mean, um, yeah. When you see Amboss, you know, you look at the answer choices. Out of the five, three of them have the same symptoms. Literally, all three yeah. will say yeah, of course. this presents this way. And then it says, however,
0: this condition doesn't have eczema. You're like,
1: oh, doesn't have eczema. You should
0: have known that. And, and that's days. and that's why the 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 approach of studying similar conditions with overlapping features with one or two yes. differentiators is so powerful. It takes a little bit extra time to put it together. But when you come to a question like you just explained, that extra two or three minutes that you took to actually put a chart together results in a, in a correct answer. And that's the name of the game.
1: Remember, remember last week you, you had Histo? And I'm bringing this up for a reason. Everything we say is for a reason. They might not realize this, right? So people are like, oh, I, I, know, I know the different conditions because it's you know, Arizona, California, Brazil, you know, Colorado, uh, yeah, Midwest, Mississippi, Ohio. That's awesome. Do you know them if they don't present the location? They mm-hmm. that question. Which they question. didn't.
0: No, they didn't. They did not.
1: They that was a, you a histo question. finding. Well, yeah, exactly. So this is, a, this is a playbook. People need to realize the book is exposed. You have NBMEs, you have USMLE, you have your QBank, you have us. You need to accept the fact that they can get you from different angles. That's all. They can ask you something very simple or some very complicated or some minute. And you need to be able to at least recall as much as possible to say, well, that's the right answer. I can't tell you why it is. I just know it is, there, that's a diff- big difference.
0: Yeah, uh, the last thing we have written down here is narrowing down answers, but I think we've talked about that yeah. pretty thoroughly with, with everything here. So uh, let me just run, run down that list real quick and then we'll let you guys go. So common mistakes, reading from top to bottom, not highlighting, reading the question twice, reading fast and missing info, after reading the last line, immediately going to the answer choices before reading the rest of the STEM, not eliminating incorrects, uh, changing answers too often, which we know typically you'll go from correct to incorrect, big mistake. And then a couple of techniques to improve yourself, flagging when you either are in a zone and you come to a topic that you don't want to deal with, or you've come down to two answer choices and you don't want to sit and dwell on it, waste too much time, flag it, move on. Same as marking, come back, whatever you want to call it. And then uh, narrowing down answers, Super effective. If you look at a a list of options and you don't know, pull on your knowledge and eliminate the ones you know are incorrect. And at least if if it's just a toss up, I would rather a one out of two or a one out of three chance than a one out of five, one out of six. Just it's math, it makes sense to do. And so there you have it, guys. If you avoid these mistakes when you do your questions, then we aren't guaranteeing that you'll pass because you still need to have that information dialed in. But like you just said, you just said something really, really important. Said this is a US Emily playbook and you could have the best playbook, but if you're not executing the right way, if you're not Mm -hmm. studying the playbook, you're going to suck. It's like, it's just like football. There's massive playbooks, right? And you have to memorize that. You can have the best plays in the world, but if you don't memorize them and know how to execute, they're useless. So make sure you study hard. Make sure you study the playbook and then practice, practice, practice by doing questions, questions and questions.
1: Any last words? I know that many doctors out there will watch this and they'll say, yeah, you know, I know what I'm doing. Perfectly fine. But think of it this way. How many doctors do you know or students, friends, colleagues in school or just on forums, Reddit, whatever you guys are reading, watching that have done your world once or twice? Yep. I've read first aid multiple times. Have you been done ambos once or twice and still fail? That clearly can show you. That's clear proof that they can know the content but maybe they're not working on test-taking skills, like literally taking a tennis racket and hitting a thousand balls. But yet you can't really play well with another with another um, uh, another individual, right? Same thing. So if you learn the content, that's great. Resources are out there that we talk about every day. If you don't practice this technique, this is a skill. Yep. Then it will be very difficult to pass the test. That's why people are doing thousands of questions. And they still do poorly. Well, it could be both, be one or the other. But typically, it's a test-taking if the content is covered. So take, yep. think, think about that next time you second-guess the technique. It's like, well, honestly, it's, it's a, two pieces, right? Two jobs, content and test-taking, yep. side by side.
0: And one doesn't work without the other. Oh. Not and well. you, can a, you can become a master of uh, content. But if your test-taking skills suck, you'll run out of time. And you could be a stud at taking tests but if you don't know the content, what good does that do you? Then it's a guessing game. You know, what I usually use is soccer,
1: right? Cause I, you know me, I love soccer. Uh, you know, you can run to the ball very fast. You can get to it. You could be a competitor, but if you can't dribble, you can't have that skill to play with the ball, you're done. Or if you have that skill, but you're can't get to the ball, you're in for the, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. speed, say, hold on, hold on. You run out of breath, like I can sometimes. And then you need <laughs> to have both speed and skill to get to the ball and then pass your components. It really is the same thing.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you found that to be helpful. If you want more, be sure to check out our other episodes right here on the USMLE Guys podcast. And if you're ready to dive in and simplify your USMLE prep process, don't forget to head over to usmleguys.com. I'll see you all on the next episode.